This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had it in his mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through this prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, good morning. It is so good to see you all again. Can you believe this? This is the second Sunday we've been here with you in Alaska. And it, 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 that's right. And it has been good. It's warming up. I see you, you, you prayed for us. You prayed for us during the week. I can see that. And, uh, we're learning to navigate on icy roads and all that. But I hear it's going to snow the end of the week. We're looking forward to that. Uh, also, if you weren't here last week, uh, Lori and I, uh, just want to express our appreciation to each of you for your prayers and, and just for all of the housewarming gifts that we have received and continue to receive, they are absolutely marvelous. Thank you. You are sending a message to us uh, that we are welcomed and loved, and it's so clear. And uh, it's appropriate because Christmas is a time of giving and receiving messages. Um, have you ever sent a message that didn't arrive to the person that you intended to receive it. Anyone ever do that? Or have you ever received a message that you realized was intended for somebody else? Have you done that? Uh, it seems like frequently in the mailbox or uh, on the internet that we receive messages going back and forth. Um, there's a story of a Mr. Johnson He was a businessman from Wisconsin. Um, He was on a business trip all the way down to Louisiana. Now, when he arrived at his hotel, he immediately sent an email back home to his wife, Jennifer, at jenjohnson at aol.com. Unfortunately, Mr. Johnson forgot his wife's exact email address And the email ended up going to a Mrs. Joan Johnson at jjohnson at aol.com of New Jersey. Now, Mrs. Joan Johnson was the wife of a preacher uh, whose husband had just passed away. The preacher's wife took one look at the email and promptly fainted. 
When she was revived by her daughter, she nervously pointed to the message which read, Arrived safely, but is sure hot down here. <laughs> that is an example of the right message uh, to the wrong person. Now, this is our second week in our series called Worth the Wait. And uh, last week, we talked about waiting for hope. This week, we're going to talk about waiting for joy. Then next week, waiting for peace. Following that, we'll be waiting for love. And then on Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about waiting for a Christmas uh, to remember. But as we look at our passage today... Uh, the passage in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, it's very apparent to us that God's message through His servant Matthew is very clear. It's the right Christmas message for the right people at the right time. There's no mistaking what God's message is to you and to me at Christmas. In Matthew, in this birth narrative... He establishes a very, very clear message about the work and person of Jesus Christ. The first thing that Matthew does is he establishes Jesus' identity. Matthew one twenty says, Joseph, son of David, this is the angel now speaking to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. And in that one verse, the message is very clear. Jesus is both human, son of man, a descendant of David, and divine son of God, conceived through the Holy Spirit. And so Matthew very clearly sends a message of the person of Jesus Christ. A descendant of David... Son of man, divine Son of God, conceived through the Holy Spirit. And so right away in verse 20, Matthew establishes Jesus' identity. But then in verse 21, he reveals Jesus' purpose. The angel continues, You are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Now, you know that the name Jesus literally means God saves or God is salvation. Jesus himself in Luke 19.10 revealed his purpose when he said, For the Son of Man came to seek and save that which was lost. The good news is that on Christmas Day is born our Savior and that Jesus saves us from the power of sin, from the penalty of sin, and from the presence of sin. And so the message is very clear in these verses in Matthew. Matthew establishes Jesus' identity, and Matthew reveals Jesus' purpose. And Matthew also presents Jesus as the fulfillment of God's promise. You know, in our series, we call it um, Worth the Wait. Uh, But the byline is rediscovering the promise of God. And Matthew presents Jesus as the fulfillment of that promise. In Matthew 1.22, it says, All this took place to fulfill 
what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. And we know that Emmanuel means God with us. This is a uh, prophecy that came through the prophet Isaiah some 600 years before the birth of Christ. It's found in Isaiah 7.14. But additional prophecies fulfilled at Christmas include Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will rule over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. And then Second Samuel 7.16. David received this promise. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. The central theme, the the central message of Christmas that, that gives us joy is this, that in Christ we encounter Emmanuel, God with us. Now, some of us come to Christmas and and we look back upon the events of 2,000 years ago and we say, there was God at work, there was Jesus. And some of us, remembering that, look forward to His second advent and the promises of Scripture. As surely as Jesus was born the first time, He's coming again, and we we anxiously await His second coming. But but in the in-between time, the time between His first and second advent, sometimes we forget that central message of Christmas, that Jesus is Emmanuel. He's God with us. Not God with us in the past. Not God with us in the future. But God who is with us in this very present moment. And when we encounter Him as God who is present in the here and now. God who is active and involved in the events of history. God who is active and involved in the the events of our life then there's reason for joy. And yet sometimes we can become so preoccupied that we forget that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in the here and now. It's as if we're looking for something that's with us all along. I remember going on a date with a friend of mine. I'd known her for several years through college. We had had classes together. Um, I looked at her like a sister. And uh, we truly had a good friendship. And she had called me on the phone and said, You know, Todd, I have to go to a function. Would you come with me? I, I'd feel awkward, you know, going with somebody else. And, and of course, she knew I was safe. And uh, and so I went, and we had a great time. Then I had a work function. And I called her on the phone and said, You know, would you come with me to this work function? Um, we're supposed to bring a date. And 
I just would like you to come and we could just relax and have a good time. And she said yes. And so there we were at Ports of Call in Los Angeles. Beautiful place. Uh, we went on a, a evening dinner cruise that the, the owner of our business that I worked for had set up. And at the end of the cruise, we were walking back towards our car, my car, along this pier. And there was a bench that looked out over the water. It looked actually south down Pacific Coast Highway. And we were sitting on the bench, and we were just talking as friends. And I was looking out at the light, and all of a sudden, I, I asked Lori, Have you ever looked out, like way out at the lights or out there, and wondered, where's the person that you're going to marry someday? Seriously. And, and I had no ulterior motive. I mean, it was a really an honest thing, friends talking about friends. And she goes, yeah, I, I've done that. And I go, isn't it interesting? We're, you know, we look out there and just to know that that person is out there somewhere. They have a life that's separate from yours. And somehow events of life are going to bring you together. And, and someday they're going to be your spouse. Isn't that just a weird thing to think about? And she said, well, yeah, it really is. All the while we're having this conversation, unbeknownst to me, unbeknownst to Lori, there she is. My future wife. I'm her future husband, and we're sitting right next to each other and didn't even know it. We were so busy looking out there uh, to the event that was to come that we didn't take notice of the person we were sitting next to. And that's the way it can be in our relationship with Jesus. We forget that He's Emmanuel, God with us, and we're looking so forward to the events that are to come that we forget and we fail to realize that He's with us. In fact, you remember the promise of Jesus to His disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always. The joy of Christmas is Emmanuel. God with us. We can have intimacy with God in the here and now. Now, you know, a, a common misnomer about the Christian faith is this, that in order to be intimate with God, in order to have a relationship with God, your life has to be perfect. Everything has to be right. Uh, and then somehow, when, when I'm presentable or when I'm right, then I can have a relationship with God. But here's the good news. God, in Jesus Christ, meets us in the here and now. Uh, we don't have to wait. We don't have to wait uh, to be perfect. In fact, the whole message of Christmas is that, that God incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, comes and enters the world so that we might have a relationship with God and that ultimate expression of God's love through His Son, Jesus Christ. That He doesn't love us if he doesn't love us because he loves us in spite of he loves us in our imperfection intimacy with god is possible despite our imperfection god enters our broken world god enters our broken life and in the brokenness we encounter the living savior jesus emmanuel god with us 
the late Mike Iaconelli in his book, Messy Spirituality, talks about intimacy with God despite our imperfection. He says, spirituality is not a formula. It is not a test. It's not a relationship. Spirituality is not about competency. It's about intimacy. Spirituality is not about perfection. It's about connection. The way of the spiritual life begins where we are now in the mess of our lives. Accepting the reality of our broken, flawed lives is the beginning of spirituality. Not because the spiritual life will remove our flaws, but because we let go of seeking perfection and instead seek God. God who seeks us in Emmanuel. Jesus. God who is with us. He is the one who is present in the tangledness of our lives. Spirituality is not about being fixed. It's about God's present in the mess of our unfixedness. Isn't that a great message? Now that's a message that brings joy. And yet despite that message, despite that possibility, this Christmas, like the first Christmas 2,000 years ago, there will be people who will miss that central theme of Christmas. That in the birth of Christ, in the person of Jesus Christ, God is with us. In his little book called God With Us, uh, Pastor John MacArthur talks about people who missed Christmas. And I want to talk about that right now because as we look at these people who are central to the, to the story, to the birth narrative of Jesus, uh, we can relate because in their lives, maybe we can see bits and pieces of our own life. Now, the first person that he identifies as having missed Christmas is Herod, King Herod. Now, you know that Herod was king, and, and you know that, that as you read on in Matthew chapter 2, Herod summoned uh, the religious leaders and advisors to, to find out about who this one that is born, the Christ, called King of the Jews. Now, the reason he wanted to do that was because he liked to call himself King of the Jews. And he really wasn't, uh, by origin, a Jew himself. He was a, a political appointee of the Roman government. Uh, his family had done a lot of favors uh, for Caesar. And as a result of that, uh, he was placed in a very nice position. And he liked to call himself the king of the Jews. Now, uh, when you think about Herod, you think about a man who was paranoid. Uh, he was a person who would do anything to maintain power and authority. In fact, he killed members of his own family. Uh, shortly before his own death, he had his eldest son killed because he thought his son was trying to usurp his authority and take over the throne. And if that weren't enough, he was so hated by the people of Jerusalem that it was said, when, when he dies, no one will weep. So you know what he did? He gathered up the most prominent citizens of Jerusalem and he gave orders that on the day of his death, they all be executed. That way, people in Jerusalem would weep. That was Herod. Now, why did he miss Christmas? Well, because he felt threatened. Uh, in his case, there was a, 
a jealous fear. A fear that there was one that would be greater, one that would usurp his throne and his authority as king of the Jews. And at Christmas time, as we think of the kingship of Jesus Christ, we think of his rule and reign in our own life. And we can look at that and say, wow, if Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, as he's come so that I might have relationship with God, that means that I might have to step down from the rule and reign of my own life and embrace him as my king. And there's fear there and sometimes there's threat. And sometimes people miss Christmas because they're not willing to step down from the throne of their life. They embrace the child, but not the king, the Messiah. The second group of people were the religious leaders. We read about them in Matthew chapter 2. They were self-righteous and self-sufficient. They didn't think that they needed a Savior. Now, they had all the answers. Herod asked them where this Messiah was to be born, and they quoted from Micah 5.2, they knew exactly. And yet they were indifferent. Jesus' ministry was to people who had problems and knew it. He says that in Matthew 9.13. And yet the religious leaders, they had no need. They missed Christmas because of their pride. And, and how easy that is for you or for me. Uh, in our, in our own lives, in our own pride, in our own sense of self-sufficiency, again, to miss the point that Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel. And in Him we find our sufficiency. In Him we find wholeness in the brokenness of our lives. And yet, sometimes we insist in doing it ourselves. Being the God and ruler, king of our own life. And we become indifferent. And pride gets in the way of encountering Jesus at Christmas. Then there were the people of Jerusalem. They were busy worshiping the right God in the wrong way. Their focus was on the externals of faith. They were substituting rituals for relationship. Why did they miss Christmas? Well, it's simple. Religion, religiosity, piety. Uh, they worshiped God and they hoped for a Savior. And yet, in their religiosity, in their, in their piety, they failed to recognize that God was among them. Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And how easy it is for us to go through the celebration of Christmas, uh, to mention Jesus' name, to anticipate Christmas Day, to look towards the second coming, and get so involved in religiosity and to the rituals and tradition of Christmas, that we forget the relationship that we encounter Jesus every day because He is Emmanuel. He's our source of joy because He's with us in the here and now. There were also the, the Romans. They were prominent in the story. The Romans, uh, they were subject to idolatry and to false gods. They were the pagans. Jesus didn't fit into their a multitude of deities. And Jesus doesn't fit into the false gods of our day, the gods of selfishness and materialism. And all around us, people are worshiping those false gods. And they miss Christmas. They miss Christmas because they're busy worshiping 
the wrong gods with a small g and failed to miss the central message of Christmas that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And finally, this one rings true to me. There are the people of Nazareth, the people who knew Jesus the best, the the people from his own hometown or region. They knew him so well, they couldn't believe that he was anyone special. Jesus, in fact, was amazed by their lack of faith. And we read the story in Luke chapter 4, verses 22 through 30. That is, Jesus in his hometown goes to the synagogue and as he enrolls the sacred scroll and as he reads from Isaiah 61 and pronounces, today this scripture has been fulfilled. Not only did the people in his own hometown didn't get it, but they ran him out of town. And you know the danger for you and for me those of us who are so familiar with Jesus, is that in our familiarity, in, in, in knowing Jesus as our friend, in having come to a multitude of Advent services, Christmas Eve services, Christmas celebrations, that, that we would forget who He really is. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He is our ultimate source of joy. The joy of God came to focus in human history in the person of Jesus. Joy that is not circumstantial. Joy that is not dependent on circumstances. But joy that is in direct proportion to your walk and my walk with the Lord. Joy that is a fruit of His Spirit that dwells in us. And so what's the good news? What's the the joy that we've been waiting for. The joy is the joy of the here and now. The joy is the joy of Emmanuel, God with us. That Jesus meets us in our brokenness, in our imperfect state, in the mess of our lives, and He embraces us. And He cares for us. And He longs to be a part of our life in the everyday affairs. And the joy that we get isn't because life is perfect, but because we have a perfect God who's given us a perfect Savior. You're familiar with Horatio Stafford. Uh, He's a Chicago businessman who in the late 1870s lost his children in a tragic maritime accident. They had, he had sent his wife and children to England for a revival with D.L. Moody. And uh, he stayed behind to finish up some business. And it was on the way there that the ship sank and only his wife survived. And he received message from his wife that all the children had perished and only she had survived. And he was grief-stricken. And he got on the ship himself as quickly as he could to go and to meet her in England. And as they passed by the exact place where the ship had sank, the captain called him to a bridge and said, Mr. Spafford, This is the place where the ship went down. This is the place where you lost your children. 
And he went back to his cabin. And he penned the words to a song that is my favorite non-Christmas hymn. You know it. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. The good news of Christmas is that our joy isn't dependent on circumstances. It's dependent on the Christ, our Savior, who meets us in the here and now, who lives with us, who cares for us, who loves us, who is waiting for us to embrace Him. And in that embrace, rediscover anew the joy of Christmas. A.W. Tozer says it this way. Anything God has ever done, He can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Do you believe that community covenant? I do. Anything God has ever done anywhere, He can do here. Anything God has done for anyone, He can do for you and for me. That's good news. And that should fill our hearts with joy at Christmas. As we come to the communion table this morning, this is a table that heralds good news. It's a a table that Jesus has set for you and for me. And that every time we come here, we encounter Emmanuel. God with us. This morning, uh, this second Sunday of Advent, we're going to invite you to come forward and encounter our Emmanuel. And meet Him at this table. A table of joy.